Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and I'm in the beautiful Spurgeon Library studio with my colleague and friend, Ronnie Kurtz. Ronnie, how are you, brother? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's uh, a little too warm for my taste. By the time people hear this, it'll be uh, nice and fallish, but it, it is September 16th when That's we right. record this, and it's 94 degrees. That's right, yeah. And it's just ungodly. It's proof that God has forsaken <laughs> Missouri. No, that's not true, but I don't like it. Yeah, hey, but football's back. You're feeling good. Football's back. Both of our teams are killing it. What is it? Are, are they your team? They're, they are officially my team. For the listeners, I was a huge St. Louis Rams right. fan, and uh, they were taken away from us and or maybe taken back by L.A. And so I've, I've, I'm in Kansas City, so I've bought in Pat Mahomes all the way. I remember you talking a pretty big game about being done with the NFL Totally, because of that whole um, kerfuffle or whatever that was, that boondoggle. That's right. Whatever other 1800s word we can come up with. (laughs) The whole shenanigan of them moving and being stolen. And you said, I'm just done with the NFL. Yeah, it took, uh, what, we're four years in, and I can finally watch a football game without having my heart broken. Okay. So <laughs> it probably doesn't hurt that Patrick Mahomes is a stud. Yeah. And the Chiefs are killing it. That's right. He's just he's playing like a cheat code or something yeah. at this point. Now this is gonna sound um again, it's it's so weird to be recording these things and talking about current things and then the it gets published a month from now. Of course. Yeah. By which time Patrick Mahomes may show his true colors and have no, regressed. Yeah. Because he's gonna hit the cliff. You know he is. <laughs> Whereas my quarterback Wow. Um, is yeah. 42 years old and looking like he's 22 years old. So he's made a pact with the devil or his wife really is a witch. As a former church member once emailed <laughs> to ask me about, is it true that Giselle Bunchen is a witch? I said, man, I don't know. But, but if she is, keep doing that's it. That's right. <laughs> um, football glory costs a lot, brother. That's right. So he might have met, you know, the devil at the crossroads in Mississippi um, or something like that. Wow. But in any event, we're we're feeling good right now cuz it's week 2 at this recording and both of our teams are 2 and 0 oh, and uh but they're going to meet. That's right. They they're, will meet. They're on a collision course. Always. And I think um as of now um all the football people or or, or non-sports people are like just get to the <laughs> podcast. They've already turned it off. That's right. <laughs> this is not FTC sports. Um That's not a bad idea though. Look, it's free, people. So <laughs> Just take the banter. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and get to the subject. We can talk about football, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, we can evangelize and, our non-sports listeners oh, to football. That's a good transition there, because we're you. talking about evangelism. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking about evangelism, specifically pastors and evangelism, and why it is sometimes difficult for various reasons for pastors to either make time to do it or to find maybe the motivation or inclination um, to do it, I, I, you know, speaking from experience, um, it, I had to make a conscious, intentional effort um, to, you know, get out and share the gospel with with lost people. And there's a variety of reasons for that, but I think it's probably not uncommon. That's right. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about that. Why? Um, yeah, just to dive in, why is it difficult for some pastors? Do you think to evangelize? Yeah, I think, well, at least for me, I can't speak for every pastor, but I think at least for me, one of the issues um, is just my natural rhythms and the yeah. demands on my schedule are such that 
I often spend a majority of my time around believers. And and that, that just makes it for it makes it difficult to do evangelism that isn't uh, really just, you know, shotgun one off evangelism kind of I'm in a taxi cab and I'm I'm this guy's gonna get it whether he knows it or not. Right. Uh, it, it makes it difficult for organic friendship kind of evangelism. And uh, pastors who have that scenario where they, they really do spend a majority of their schedule around fellow believers, uh, they've got to be diligent to, to work that kind of time in uh, to their schedule. Yeah, I think it's the same thing that anyone who either has a ministry job. I mean, it's similar to the situation that, um, that I at least face working at Midwestern Seminary. I assume you as well. That's right. That we spend most of our daytime hours among other believers or, you know, we would assume other believers. And similarly, pastors, they're spending most of their time either among their, you know, their flock, um, carrying out their pastoral duties, things that they're supposed to be doing and should be doing, um, or in the, you know, the privacy of their study um, Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And so it's just the way their schedule is lined out where most of their congregants, uh, um, it's the opposite. For most of the people in their church, they spend most of their daytime hours and their waking hours among unbelievers, immersed with unbelievers in the workplace or at school um, and so on. So there's you know, somewhat upside down in that regard. So sometimes it's not the lack of inclination. It's just what is perceived perhaps as a lack of opportunity. Um, but sometimes even the lack of opportunity creates a lack of inclination because you just get into those rhythms right. and, and, and you don't think about it. Um, and it may even you know build up a kind of um, anxiety, perhaps. What you know, I think one of the reasons that you know pastors who have the inclination sometimes struggle to share the gospel is because of a, a, a lack of common ground, where it it feels somewhat arbitrary. Especially if you don't, if you're not walking side by side with an unbeliever in some you know context, um, it always feels like an introductory conversation, yep. and the introductory evangelistic conversations are always more difficult than sharing the gospel with someone that you know pretty well and you have a, a level of comfort with or you have a rapport with already. So sometimes that's a reason why it's it's always those kind of you know kind of one shot. When I think back over the last two or three years uh, of the evangelistic conversations I've had, they have always been, as you mentioned, with Uber drivers, uh, with gals cutting my hair, um, you know, taxi drivers, people that I'm meeting happenstantially. Uh, but in some regard, there is um, an ease, I think, there, actually, um, those opportunities. There's a built-in kind of um, on-ramp for evangelism that pastors have that a lot of people don't have. Do you want to speak to that for a second? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and this is the, this is the same for anyone who works in a ministry ministry setting, even, you know, theological students, for example. Yeah, you're, you're, you're getting your hair cut and the, the sweet lady not knowing it makes the mistake of asking what you do. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> And little does she know what she just signed up for. And, uh, no, it does become a little bit of an easy transition. Um, you know, I remember uh, Matt Chandler saying that once, that, that someone asked him on an airplane, and he said, I'm a pastor, so when are we going to do this thing? Like, he, he, he just knows it's coming when you yeah. ask that question. Mm. And it does give a little bit of a segue, not even a little bit, a lot of a segue. Um, there, there are definitely ways to do that in which you are socially awkward. Yeah. And so let me just recommend to not do those. Uh, <laughs> okay. But there are ways— in which you can introduce what you do for vocationally uh, in a way that does provide an on-ramp to talk about the beauty of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there have been times um, where I have tried to get out in <laughs> in my flesh. I, I, I don't feel energetic enough. 
Um, I don't feel mentally agile enough to have whatever may come in the midst of those conversations, apologetic questions or what have you. And so when someone asks what I do, I say things like I'm a writer or I'm a teacher. <laughs> but then they ask what you write and what you teach. Right, and yeah. it's like you just cannot avoid the religious conversation. Um, but but on the flip side, w- w- what I've discovered more times um, than not is that it actually is a very easy on-ramp to get to sharing the gospel. And so in that respect, I think pastors actually have it easier mm. because it feels less arbitrary to talk about religious things when someone has asked you what you do and you are immediately in a religious conversation. And typically it's even started, you know, the person, uh, unless they just, you know, have some great aversion or hostility um, to the subject altogether, typically they're trying to make a bridge, you know. I mean, there was a lady in Vermont who cut my hair who was asking what I did for a living. I said, I'm a pastor. Um, that was like a radical thing to her because she, um, in her mind, pastors were all old guys with with collars. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, she's thinking typically of a, uh, you know, of a priest of some kind or just an older, uh, an older man. So there's a novelty already that she is cutting the hair of a pastor. And in Vermont, which is very irreligious, it's like seeing Bigfoot. It's like, whoa, I've got one in my chair <laughs> right now. That's how I thought of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's sort of like, it's like a unicorn. And so now it becomes something unique and she may have zero interest, but then she wants to make a kind of bridge and she'll say something like, you know, my aunt goes to church over Absolutely. in such and such town or something like that. And it just naturally kind of opens up the doorway where then I can say something like, oh, what does she think of that? And, you know, what is, uh, you know, what does your aunt believe? And and it just provides, you know, a variety of segues because they're trying to make a connection. They may not want to hear the gospel or even know that you're going to share the gospel. Like yeah. they don't know that's where it's going. But they are trying to make some kind of connection. So I do think in general it's actually if pastors would be more proactive, it's easier than it is for, um, you know, the average congregant who in, in some way, shape, or form almost has to insert, right, and kind of even interrupt the normal course of things. Mm-hmm. Most people are just waiting for their friend to kind of come over to their cubicle or office door and say, like, my life is falling apart and you always seem so content. What is the secret to your happiness, right? Like, <laughs> we all want that. Um, and occasionally that happens. Um, but for most of us, it, you know, approaching an evangelistic conversation is sort of like the record, you know, you, you know, the record scratch, uh, you, see, you know, sound effect in a movie where it's just, you know, for some people, it's just, this is jarring. Yep. You've inserted this unnaturally and it just always feels that way you're going against the grain of that's what right. of what people want to talk about this conversation will never be the same that's right exactly <laughs> and our relationship may never be the same that's right because now you've brought up this thing that i don't want to talk about or i'm not interested in um what are some ways that can go right what are some ways that might could go wrong do you think yeah i think th- this the answer to this question would be the same the same way for almost anyone doing evangelism i think it can go wrong quickly if the person senses that you are more concerned about getting the last word in or making a particular point mm. than you are with hearing their story and applying you know, the, the, the gospel of Jesus to their particular story uh, as opposed to uh, you know, a mental checklist, you feel guilty because you haven't evangelized in too long. And so this person becomes the object that you're going to release your guilt on mm. uh, by getting a drive-by evangelism opportunity in. Uh, they, People can sense that. Yeah. It, it just feels disingenuous. Uh, it's not sincere. And and honestly, it typically is um, – it just doesn't work yeah. even from a practical standpoint. And yeah. so I think that's the way it goes wrong where you know pastors feel pent up in a way and um, 
they feel like I have to do evangelism because I've been preaching about it. I know I'm going to preach about it in a couple of weeks. And so to, to appease their own conscience, they just unload on the, on the poor lady getting the, you know, cutting their hair. And uh, it, the whole thing feels disingenuous. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk a little bit more about um, some tips, some ways that we can overcome yeah. maybe the, the uh, evangelism defeaters. Um, we'll talk about that right after our break. And um, why don't you go ahead and have some coffee, dear listener, and uh, hear a word, a very mellow, sweet word from our hosts at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. Okay, we're back. I hope you liked the segue. I hope you liked the word. It's weird. Sometimes I listen to the other Midwestern podcasts, and I always startle when my own voice comes on doing the voiceover. <laughs> Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary has an 81-hour degree program. Don't be a slacker. Come over here. You know, That's whatever, right. Whatever absolutely. I say, I don't remember what I say. That's a good advertisement. It is. But I've also thought about, like, what if people are listening to the podcast on our coffee break, and then I t- say, let's take a coffee break? They're just one step ahead of you. They're, uh, it's like a coffee break within a coffee break. It's a coffee break exception. This is deep. <laughs> you know what? I also realized as we were talking, because I wasn't really listening to what you were saying, that um, – <laughs> I'm kidding. I was listening. Um, so we were talking about earlier about football, and this is going to come out month- – this is actually going to publish Wednesday. Yeah. But the, the way we've scheduled out these subjects. So it's very timely conversation, yeah. the football conversation. We're both still 2-0. and When people hear this Wednesday, they'll still be 2-0. and so I, I was mistaken. We've got some interviews that are scheduled out for months in advance, but this one is actually going to be coming out Wednesday. Good. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> I can tell it was People were wondering. heavy. It was you. really weighing heavy. I was like, why should we talk about something that's going to be old news? But it's not in the Lord's providence. This will be <laughs> the Wednesday episode. And uh, yeah, we're having you know too much fun. Speaking of conversations, wow, um, that's a good transition. <laughs> <laughs> that are a lot of fun to have. Um, sharing the gospel, no. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about what kind of takes the um, the defeater out of the inclination or mm. uh, um, the motivation. What have you found? I think you were on a fantastic track talking about um, what happens when people feel like they're your project mm-hmm. or a target. Um, I have, uh, you know, discovered to a large extent that um, people are more open to sharing if they feel like you're genuinely interested in them. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and of course, you know, they don't understand that we are interested in their soul and the state of their soul, that the most important thing about them um, is not anything they're doing circumstantially or feeling circumstantially. Those are important things, but the most important thing is where they're going to spend eternity. So they don't understand that motivation, and yet they do understand if we're not really interested in them. 
um, or in some way, shape, or form, we're not communicating an actual care for them. So what are some ways we can demonstrate that? Even if it's a first-time conversation with somebody, you've never met them, how can you communicate to them, I actually am interested in you, I care about you, um, and that includes your soul, yes, but you're not just some drive-by project for me or me trying to get my religious you know, checklist marked off. How do you communicate that to somebody? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. And I think the answer is decently simple, to be honest. And I think the answer is to listen. Mm. And I think if, you know, if you come in with your 12 canned lines that you know you want to unload on them, and it could be um, this person or that person, it doesn't matter, you're going to use the same 12 lines, I think they're going to notice that. But I think if you hear them, hear their voice, try to find the struggles, uh, it's going to be much more helpful to actually know some of their trials, some of their victories. If you're trying to expose how glorious and good Jesus has been to you, you're trying to explain how you were once dead and are now alive to this person, it's going to be helpful to know the ways in which um, they're following dead idols who can't give life when you're contrasting that with Jesus. But if you just have these canned lines that you know you're going to unload on them, I think they're going to be able to notice that. Yeah. I I was in Houston um, a few months ago um, speaking at a camp and a couple of churches. And I, you know, as I do when I make pilgrimage back home, you have to go to Whataburger. And so I went to Whataburger like three times within the span of wow. nine days. It really is that important. Yeah. Um, but I, it, I was there on two different occasions, the same Whataburger in the Woodlands, Texas. And there was an elderly man there who had his Bible out in a, in a few books. And um, both times that I was there, he was there. So I don't know if it's like a daily thing for him, but he was trying to share the gospel with people in the Whataburger. And so he'd get up and he would walk over um, and he, he looked um, somewhat awkward, tentative, I would say timid, perhaps. I could overhear just a little bit of what he was saying. His opening line was, um, uh, do you know what I mean when I say Jesus Christ? That was his opening line which if we're just weighing the ways to kind of introduce the subject it's an it's an awkward question it's i don't think it's a it's a very well thought out question um but it's at least a question mm-hmm. so he's trying to put a ball in their court so to speak um to sort of see what their response is but one thing that was somewhat discouraging to me was everyone that he asked gave some answer um really it was a stiff arm like we're trying to eat lunch leave us alone kind of thing um but not in a mean way um everyone that i heard him ask the question to um tended to indicate that they were christians or they were believers or they know jesus or something like that and he would immediately say something like oh that's good or thank you or something like that and then he would go back and sit down what that communicated to me was, first of all, okay, he's looking for you know for people who don't know Jesus, and so you know he wants to find people who don't know Jesus that he might share Jesus with them. That was my assumption. But the other thing was, he really wasn't interested in these people uh, as people. So if I'm walking up to someone thinking I, I, I'm going to go share the gospel with them, and I say, you know, what do you think of when I say Jesus, or do you know Jesus, or can I tell you about Jesus? And someone says, uh, you know, I know him, or what have you. Um, I'm not thinking, oh, okay, see ya. I want to know, hey, well, where do you go to church? Yeah. Where, you know, it's like right. I've, I've just met a brother or sister, and yeah, that kind of gets me off my evangelism, you know, you know, train. Um, or maybe it doesn't. Sometimes people, especially in Houston and, and, yeah. and, and other places, they think they know Jesus and they don't. You might learn something. But, you know, assuming that they do, now you're, you know, showing that you actually had an interest in them as a person. Mm-hmm. And so there's just something kind of telling about it that kind of bothered me. Um, yeah. you know, I think sometimes we indicate to people that we're really only interested in them as a religious project and yeah. not as people. 
Let, let me ask a follow-up question. I want to see what you think about this, yeah. Jared. Some of our listeners maybe have this in their mind, because I even had it in my mind when you were telling that story, is, you know, we've heard that phrase, and I can't remember who said it, but some, something like, I like their method of doing evangelism better than your way of not doing it. Yeah. Um, what, what do you make of that line? Do you think there's merit there? Do you not like that phrase? Oh, certainly. People who share the gospel awkwardly, um, that is more obedient than people who are not sharing the gospel. Mm. And yet I don't think it means we shouldn't work to not share it awkwardly. That's right. That's, that's a good sense. word. Yeah. So, yeah, I do like the way this guy was doing it better than the way that I was just sitting there eating my double <laughs> water burger with cheese. Um, I was kind of hoping he would come over and talk to me. Um, I wasn't yeah. going to talk to him, but if he were to come up to me, um, I would have expressed that I know Jesus. And I would have hoped to actually ask him, like, where he goes to church, cause just because I know some stuff in the area. And I would like to know his story. Is, mm-hmm. you know, did he, has he experienced much fruit mm-hmm. in that? Um, but, it, yeah, it was a very interesting sort of um, approach to things. Your, your story actually brings another question that okay. I'm interested to see what you think. Because in this particular story, I'm imagining you sitting there with your, you know, your double burger. Yeah. Um, like a thousand calories. In, yes, you with know. jalapenos. <laughs> the jalapenos offset calories because it burns oh, things. Wow. Yes. The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. Man. <laughs> yeah, so I imagine you sitting there and you – just knowing you personally, you wouldn't be the guy just walking up to people no. asking about what they think about Jesus uh, because uh, I know you to be very introverted. And so that, that is an interesting subject. A lot of, I think a lot of pastors and Christians in general uh, either use that as an excuse or it's a legitimate burden to yeah. share the gospel as an introvert. Yeah. Uh, so what, what would you say to that? Any advice you have there? Yeah. So, um, again, even introverts find themselves in conversations with people if they are not intentionally withdrawing. Right. Um, and so I, I think there are on ramps to me. I, I knew I was being you know, disobedient if a I was not seeking opportunities. Mm-hmm. I may not be going door to door the way some people are. I may not be walking up to people at, at lunchtime asking them, um, you know, evangelistic questions. But I am frequently with unbelievers, um, not for eight hours a day every day, but, you know, you just live life. And there are times that I'm disobedient because opportunities come up. Um, I see someone as a need. I see someone has, um, you know, opportunity to have a conversation. And either because I feel tired or just not interested, I I avoid it entirely. Well, that's, you Mm -hmm. know, that's disobedience. So for me, it's kind of two-pronged in that I want to seek opportunities. And I want to seize them when they come because sometimes the opportunities come up and they've just like they're served up. And and, um, you know, I just got done speaking and I just want to cab ride, you know, back to the hotel or whatever it is. Um, Will I seize the opportunity when it comes? And the Lord has been very gracious to really tee a lot of things up for me. Um, But, yeah, so I don't think it's a matter of having to do it a particular way. In fact, I think that's a, a very common evangelistic defeater. So certainly. Um, doing it awkwardly is better than not doing it at all. And yet sometimes what keeps us from doing it is thinking that it has to look a particular way. The gospel is, you know, doesn't change. The gospel message is the gospel message. So it's not a matter of, oh, I can go serve at a soup kitchen and that's my evangelism. No, that's not evangelism. Sharing the gospel is evangelism. Making sure people hear the message of yeah. the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that turning from their sins and believing in him gives a gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Some version of that of those facts of that newspaper headline, that's sharing the gospel. And yet a lot of us were trained for evangelism in ways that felt more natural to extroverts, type A, you know, personalities. That's right. And it didn't make those wrong and it doesn't let you off the hook. But sometimes the defeater is thinking, oh, it's got to look like that. And 
it 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 feels more natural for me to do it this other way. So I'm not wanting to avoid it, but I just have a hang up about what it's supposed to look like. And one of the best things we did is, you know, we studied evangelism with our men's discipleship group at my last church in Vermont. And the thing that emboldened them the most to share the gospel was letting them know that they were only responsible for sharing the gospel Mm. and not for somebody believing in it. That's right. And they just had this this idea based on past teaching and and other things that they had to close a deal. So you got to know all the answers to every apologetic question. And it's certainly helpful to, you know, to know apologetics, especially in this increasingly post-Christian, you know, Western culture we live in. But they just thought if I don't, you know, if I don't feel confident in knowing all the answers to every apologetic type question that somebody might ask, um, or if I can't rhetorically pin someone in a corner to make a decision or to pray a certain prayer, they just didn't feel confident enough to do that. So we worked through the nine Mark study, um, the little Bible study guides, and uh, we went through the one on evangelism. And when the guys heard what they are primarily responsible for, if you can do all the other stuff, that's fantastic. But what you're primarily responsible for is making sure people hear the message of the gospel. That's right. And we leave it up to the Holy Spirit to determine whether they believe or don't. And there may be opportunities to pray with somebody or to ask a follow-up question about making a a particular decision. But what we're responsible for is the proclamation of the gospel in big ways and little ways. That's what we're to be faithful to. And for a lot of people, just hearing that actually emboldens them a little bit more. That's exactly right. Yeah, when when you— Jared and I were texting about what topic we wanted to cover next on the FTC podcast and evangelism as a pastor came up and the, there's a passage in scripture. I even have my Bible open here just so I could, so I could read it. That, that is really encouraging to me. And it's exactly what you were just saying. This is in second Corinthians two, uh, two fourteen. It says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And two things that, that really stands to me in this passage is one, the fact that we're the vehicle, right? That It says that... Um, through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him. And sometimes I'm just a little bit surprised by that choice. Mm. Uh, God could have chosen anything uh, to, to spread the knowledge of Christ. And, and he chose fickle and often unfaithful people like myself. And the second is exactly what you were just talking about. When we share the gospel, to some people, it's going to be the stench of death. Yeah. And to some people, it'll be the fragrance of life. And it's not up to us to determine who is which. And it's not us to be prejudiced about who we think this person will be if they'll respond in stench or as a fragrance. It's up to us to to spread the knowledge of Christ. And so our obedience is there. And then we trust the sovereignty and faithfulness of the Lord, uh, you know, post our sharing, whether that, that be the stench of death or the fragrance of life. Uh, we know that he's good and that we can trust him. Yeah. You know, so um, before we close, I just want to share a little evangelism hack that uh, <laughs> I developed, especially during my time in Vermont. Um, is a question. So again, I think just some some good tips is to ask a lot of questions. Be a good listener. Don't be always trying to get your word in or your points in. Um, certainly, evangelism is not just you know interviewing someone, but actually sh- you know proclaiming the gospel, sharing the gospel with them. And yet, you you know you want to communicate to them. You want to adorn uh, your ability to do that with a genuine interest in the person. Um, help them to feel heard. It actually sort of 
um, makes people a little more receptive or, or, or open to hearing that message. Of course, the Holy Spirit is who opens their heart to receive it um, if that is to take place. And yet there are things that we um, can be empowered to do to um, create more uh, receptivity there to at least hearing um, that message. And most people are peacekeepers by nature. They don't like the tension or conflict either. And by and large, some of the fears we have about people being really hostile or, or, or angry, you may encounter that. And in, in some areas, you may encounter that more than in others. But in general, even people are uncomfortable um, they'll, you know, they will uncomfortably listen to you, and they're not going to get mad at you or hurt you or anything like that. So you can alleviate those fears. But for me, it was a, it was a very key question, which is essentially um, some way, shape, or form, what do you believe is the message of Christianity? So you kind of put the ball in their court to say, you know, what is the message of the church? What did you hear at church? Depending on the person, you may ask it a different way, but essentially you're asking them to tell you what the gospel is. Mm. You, don't, you, you probably don't use those words, but you just say, what's the message of Christianity or what does the church teach or what does Christianity teach? What's the central thing, most important thing? And I have never heard in response, I've, I've, I've used that question numerous times, more times than I can count. I have never heard in response anything approximating the gospel. Mm. It is always usually a true thing, something like be good, be That's nice, right. be like Jesus, something like that. Um, but I've never heard anyone say the gospel. And so it's a natural. The natural response is to say, you know what, uh, what you just said was, you know, it's actually a good thing. The Bible teaches that, and the church teaches that. But the most important thing, the thing that you know that the church, um, you know, directly teaches as as central, um, that Christianity teaches that none of, that no other religion teaches, is that we can be saved by grace through what Jesus Christ has done for us. And then you can do the work of like contrasting with other religions. Yeah. Almost a you have heard, but I say kind yeah. of you know yeah. formula. But it, it's a great segue to just stating what the gospel is, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. If we believe in him, we'll be saved. That's the essential message of Christianity. You don't get that anywhere else. It's not what you th- you think it is. Um, yeah, it just becomes kind of a natural way to um, approach that. Um, there's lots of other helps that you can look up. We have lots of articles um, and videos even at the For the Church website about evangelism, um, also the greater category of mission and so on. So please do check those things out. Thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes. I checked recently. We don't have a whole lot of reviews on iTunes, not nearly enough that we should have. Our listeners should change that. So let's end on a very legalistic note, which is get out there, (laughs) you lazy bums, and give us a good review. (laughs) No, we love you. I'm assuming the best of you. You just you don't know how to do that. They're too busy evangelizing. You're too busy evangelizing, and I'm looking at reviews because I need the validation. Wow. But in any event, <laughs> now that we've gone deep and personal, thank you. Please keep listening. I need it for my <laughs> own. Um, yeah. God bless you. So on that note, thank you for listening. I uh, hope that you are blessed by today's episode. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time. May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.